You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I am your host, Ryan Lauer. The Batman Book Club is a member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Just go to batmanpodcastnetwork.com for a whole list of other Bat-related shows that also love to dive into other nerdy things we love to talk about in our free time. The Batman Book Club is also now on Patreon, so if you'd like to help support the show, just go to patreon.com slash thebatmanbc. Now, thank you for joining me. For episode number 74, Zero Year. Now returning to the show for his third time. There's been a lot of hat tricks lately. Uh, he is from many podcasts. He's all over the streaming, <laughs> the streaming world, the podcasting world. He's from Please Rewind, the RF4RM retro show. Got it. And the Anything Goes podcast. It is Mr. Tim Rooney. Tim, welcome back. Uh, first off, thank you for having me back and be able to succinctly say, please rewind the URF for a retro show without butchering <laughs> it. It's something that I struggle with every single time I do that show. If I don't think so, about it. I think I can do it. But if yeah, I were to it, say, okay, don't mess it up. I'll screw it up 10 times yeah. out of 10. <laughs> yeah. You just got to roll with it. Just like, oh, I'm just going to ease into it. And yeah, like, uh, I know I'm nowhere near like like Justin Kowalski or Rob Myers' numbers or anything like <laughs> being on the show, but I, I'm catching up. I, I make an attempt to. Yeah, the, it just seems like this year there's been, I mean, there's been quite a few, and especially in the past couple months, they've been pulling out the hat tricks all over. So you're in good company. Yes. Uh, now, before we dive into today's book, and since this is your third time on the show, we know what your favorite Batman story is. Um, go back to the first time you were on, which was Venom. Uh, how about lately? Tim, what's some Batman stuff you've been reading lately? What I've been reading lately, I think it's not surprising. It's like so many people. Um, it was Batman 89, the, the first issue of that. And that was actually a, uh, it was a comedy of errors trying to get my issue. <laughs> you tell. <laughs> uh, because I wanted, I wanted a floppy. I wanted a physical copy mm-hmm. of it. And the distributor who's sending it to my comic book store, Fourth World Comics. Uh, if you see what Scott Snyder posted video from him at the comic book store, that's the one we frequent. I ran into him a couple of times there. Very Sweet cool. Duties. And yeah, I actually, right now, I, in my first trade of Zero Year, I actually got Snyder's uh, signature in here. Nice. Uh, and it's funny because, but the distributor accidentally messed up the titles and they sent double amounts of Batman and Scooby-Doo instead of Batman 89. Don't get me wrong. Batman Scooby-Doo apparently is doing really well. and everybody's It's fun. It's fun. Yes. But it's not Batman 89. Exactly. I get it. And and so I'm like, you know what? Like I'm going to put my name down for that and for Superman 78. And I made sure to like the guy thankfully took my name and my number. And apparently is like, when uh, when I was finally picked up the book, it's like, oh, Tim, that's an easy name to remember. And I'm like, why? What do you mean? I'm like, well, because we we haven't been putting down last names, and we have like four mics that we've had to call. <laughs> and I'm like, like, well, Tim the Ginger, narrow it down. Like, no, 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 no. There's like, there's only like one Tim requesting books, so you're fine. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> 
Um, other than that, I've been reading a few stuff from DC Universe. Like I've been looking at some early stuff, like like very early Bronze Age uh, comics. Uh, like Frank Robbins is like this is prior to Danny O'Neill taking over the book, and so this is like 1968 when Frank Robbins is writing both Detective and Batman. As well as, I know it's not a bad book, but also making my way through the Robin Solo series, the Chuck Dixon run. Nice. Um, past all the trades. His trades is only up till like late 20s, maybe early 30 issues in. And so I'm just reading the digital trades and everything or digital copies on DC Universe. So yeah, when I have a free time, I'm reading a lot of Batman stuff. All right. Great answer. I love mm-hmm. it. Bravo. Um Batman 89 is is interesting. Uh, the last episode, our Batman in August episode was Pete. We got to talk about it quite a bit. He said it sounded like I didn't like it, and that's not true. I did a YouTube, a quick review on YouTube, the YouTube channel for it. Um, the I'll say that the I read it digitally first, and then I read it physically second. And reading it that floppy definitely helped with with the art than a um, than on an iPad screen. I I don't know why, but it was just better. And maybe my expectations were in check that second reading too. <laughs> right. I mean, Joe Kiernas has been like teasing the audience for what, four to five months on Twitter. It feels like since 1989, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> forever. And, and I know, I, I think our friend of the show, like uh, Justin Kowalski, like he was not the biggest fan of it. he's like, no. he, uh, he described it as like a comic you would get out of a cereal box and everything. And I just feel like it's a little harsh. It's a six issue run because obviously they're going to trade it. But I feel like I'm curious to see where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And you did quickly, and we'll move on here after this. Were you able to get a Superman 78 copy? I have not, uh, not yet. yet. <sighs> uh, um, I have not gone to the, my local comic book store. I mean, starting a new job recently and my second job, my evening job coming back is like, yeah, it's like working like 17 hours uh, a day Ugh. during the week sometimes. So like, yeah, it's just a little tough to get to the comic book <laughs> Okay, I understand. Priorities. Uh, I'll say that I was pleasantly surprised with Superman 78, and I loved that one. So um, I hope you enjoy it when you get your hands on it. Awesome. Now, the main event here, Batman Zero Year, uh, released in 2013 and 2014 in the monthly issues. Yeah, then it was monthly issues of Batman. Issues 21 to 27 and 29 to 33 Written by Scott Snyder, illustrated by Greg Capullo. It's been released uh, in multiple, let's see, I think initially was two volumes, hardcovers, as well as multiple trades, including a new trade that just came out that collects it all. It's available on DC Universe and Finite and my beloved Hoopla app. Now, Mr. Rooney, which version did you read for this episode? I read the split trades of it because that's the ones I have. And I know somebody will like cry foul me being a bad comic book fan because the first trade I have hardback, the other one it's paperback. And I know, like, somebody, I know people are, like looking at curses like, exactly, <laughs> like their eyes will twitch and looking at it like that. I'm like, yeah, it was just what was available at the time. Um, but yeah, and like this is like this episode's been like in the hopper for a while and everything. So I read it a while ago. So like I was preparing for this and I'm like, yeah. I, I got a pretty good grasp on it. I remember what happens in there. I, I got this. You got it. I believe in you. You'll, it'll, it'll come back to you. Uh, I picked up, I read them um, as they came out. They were the amongst the first, like, well, Snyder's Batman from Death in the Family uh, 
on, I bought digitally. Those are the first ones I started to buy digitally. So I was buying these digitally and I do have the two hardcover volumes. Um, but for this reading, I, I read my digital issues. I was not able to grab my physical hardcovers from my storage for this reading. So I just read them, read them on my iPad. It still looked great, read great. Uh, do you remember the first time that you read Zero Year? Yeah, because at this point, I was fully engrossed in picking up the trades of this run because I, I really hadn't, I, I had picked a few stories here and there because I only started reading comics like near the end of high school. Um, and my first book that I ever picked up, um, my first Batman book that I bought for myself was The Dark Knight Returns. Mm -hmm. So that is jumping in the deep end when it comes to reading Batman stories. And so I picked trades here and there, but it was New 52 where I'm like, okay, this is something I can actually get on the ground floor with, which was the intention of that entire run. And obviously it had a lot of good graces with me after quarter vowels and death of the family. And, and like my, one of my favorite moments in comic books is in death of the family where Bruce believes that everybody in his family's his face has been removed by the Joker. And who's the first person he runs to? He runs to Damien, his son. And he finds that his face is still there, thankfully. And he, and he gives him a hug while everything's falling down around him. Like that's going to be a moment that's going to stick in my brain for years. Mm -hmm. And so like, I could not wait for it to be to collect it in trade uh, because I was, I wasn't that dedicated to getting the floppies uh, just then uh, at that moment. But also at that time, Snyder had been interviewed on Kevin Smith's former Fatman on Batman. That's when he was teasing this story. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, when these finally came out of trade, I was like, all right, went to the comic book store, picked it up and tore through like in the first two days. Oh, lucky. You see, because I got in on the ground floor. Uh, I was reading it monthly. And so when this, I was reading these issues as soon as they came out, especially when it became being like available to buy digitally. So uh, as soon as it was available, I was reading it. And so, yeah, that, this was going on for a year, uh, over a year to read this. And you lucky dog, you got to slam through it in, in two days. Um, it was a little grueling at times, not going to lie. Uh, yeah, like that's why like the famous arcs that ran for a long time, like Nightfall, whatever, like if you were there, reading issue to issue monthly the monthly or weekly or bi-weekly depending on the, the tie-in comics like mm -hmm. it must have been in, not infuriating but just like ah come on i just want to know how this how this is all gonna wrap up and everything it's just like a tease and what have you but yeah that's dedication for people who are willing to stick through an arc that, that runs that long we'll definitely touch on that um here in a bit and lastly before we dive into the story itself i'd like to ask uh you were on last time to talk batman the man who laughs and i asked if you'd like to come back and you said yes and you chose zero year now why did you choose batman zero year because this is my favorite story that snyder and capullo have done oh. i know i know court of owls always gets the love but this one is just stuck with me more Maybe and I think it's because of Capullo's art and just the the colors for this. I mean, uh, I think I imagine reading this digitally probably looks gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It just like knowing how it probably pops off the page and everything or off the screen, I should say. And 
maybe because I hadn't read No Man's Land prior to this, like I'm, I'm nearly finishing up a, a reading challenge to finish up No Man's Land. So this is my kind of like tease to what No Man's Land is mm-hmm. or what it's like anyway, because this is, I know people were saying like, oh, this is his version of year one. And it has elements of that, but it's far more indebted to what No Man's Land is compared mm-hmm. to year one. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's kind of a blend of I mean, his No Man's Land, his uh, Dark Knight Rises, you know, yeah. maybe a little bit of a, of his year one. Um, I mean, it's a stretch to say his Batman killing joke, but there's some a, a fraction of that in there. And it's a calm, like it's, it's a bunch thrown in, thrown in the blender. Um, to Malcolm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, <clears throat> I think, it, and mostly I was going to say, you know, to in positive and negative waves, definitely, positives to me outweigh uh, the negatives for this story. And I think one in looking back now that we don't have to wait each month to read the next chapter. I think one of the benefits of this 12 issue story is that it was broken up into three smaller stories mm-hmm. in secret city, dark city and savage city. And I think that actually can help with pacing of this long this long arc because there's you know there's uh you know so in storytelling it's a bugaboo of mine uh shout out to destiny's child and <laughs> it's that somebody comes in and takes credit for something beforehand and it just doesn't connect i'm looking at you specter uh it just doesn't feel like it's like this just feels like such an afterthought there, it just there's no hints that you know what I mean, yeah. and I I do like here that Secret City has the villain of the Red Hood, Dark City has the villain of Doctor Death, Savage City has the 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 big villain being the Riddler, but Nigma you saw his plans in the previous two smaller stories, and so right. I love that it culminates and and everything does link back from that first issue, mm-hmm. and it all does makes sense and so i think that's a big strength in the pacing of this story that i know could seem very long for being 12 issues right but i feel like it's better than who's the man behind the curtain that's pulling the strings the whole time Mm -hmm. not saying those stories can't work they obviously can but i think it's satisfying to see set up some payoffs happen i mean culturally back to the future is one of the most beloved movies of its generation mm-hmm. and nearly every scene has set up and payoffs throughout the entire movie and so obviously audiences are there for that and the fact that snyder broke it up like okay no like we're gonna set up here and here and it's obviously gonna pay off later on um and it is curious that the fact that it's like it's not like batman versus riddler the entire time because like halfway through it you you would as the audience member the reader would be like okay, come on, Batman, I could probably figure out his scheme at this point and stop him, and you're still struggling here. Yeah, and, and I think that's very that's very important for, for Snyder to get... He's really tough on his Batman, which maybe that is why he was... Uh, his run just hit the audience, you know, the us fans so well, is because he took his character through the ringer, and he wasn't... Uh, what do you want to say? 
I can't think of the right term, but he wasn't just instantly victorious on, on anything. He got the rug pulled out from under him for uh new, like new foes, like quarter vowels, uh, familiar foes, like the Joker. Um, we see year one, like the entire story. He's just kind of, he's getting his ass kicked all the way through. And I think that clearly that, that, that builds tension. That's a hero can't rise unless he falls. And so I think uh, why wait until the end? I really do like zero year and I kind of forget because I don't know the last time that I read this. Um, mm-hmm. It's been a couple of years. I kind of forgot like, man, when is he going <laughs> to stop hitting speed bumps, stop running into hurdles and start, you know, clearing them. And it just seems yeah. like throughout the whole thing, it, it is a, a steep hill to climb. <laughs> mm-hmm. And to the point that, like, it's a cynical person can say, like, oh, he's just throwing obstacles to pad out the story. Mm. Um, and to say, like, oh, no, like, it's just there to so we can have a longer trade and what have you, which knowing modern comics, yeah, I mean, I can see why they do that. I mean, I think it's the reason why Paul Dini's run on a detective like 15 years ago. So, uh, beloved because most of the stories are like one or done or two and done kind mm-hmm. of stories and what was it and Snyder's like long running stories like of metal and death metal are maybe still going on I'm not sure I've lost track like it, it's like it's like a Russian uh, romantic novel but it's, it's, it's ongoing <laughs> war and peace shudders and fear of the death metal um, but I also think this run is a it could be maybe it might even subconsciously a reaction to Grant Morrison's run on Batman Mm. where it's criticism was that Batman had contingency planned for every scenario possible. And then he was, he was given the term of bat God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. And I think that's why Snyder's run became so refreshing because I respected Morrison's Morrison's run. It just, it, it didn't, culminate in a way i'm not going to say that i that i expected because that could almost mean that i didn't like it because it wasn't what i wanted it just ended up not being for me and so Mm -hmm. to have kind of like almost do a little bit more a 180 and make it much more grounded for like that was so refreshing to me and even an element like the court of owls it was pretty grounded and then zero year here is very grounded and i love how he put his own stamp on on two things that we already know in Joker and the Red Hood. Uh, he he keeps a lot of what we know with that connection. Uh, he still makes it work and he brings it to the front, but he, he definitely twists it. And it's an entire Red Hood gang. And I love that that's the start of the story, which I don't know if you ever read. And I wish I had my trades with me. I don't know if they included... Batman number zero in either of the trades? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, which was in 2012. And it's basically a, a tease for the upcoming zero year. And it's where the Red Hood gang goes to rob a bank and they're confronted by somebody and that somebody ends up being Bruce, but in a, in a mask. And then the end basically teases them outside of his uh 
his place right before it blows up and they say well we need to go blow it up and then that's where it ends and it's like zero near zero you're coming next in 2013 or something like that uh i really like starting starting there though and i i love the the mystery of who it is behind that we don't get a glimpse of joker pre-joker that we there's moments where it's obvious that his helmet is off but we do not see him he is in shadow yeah and and i love that about it and i think that's i mean it's such a small thing but i think it's great because if you do that reveal it's instantly criticized and like it, it would not be unanimously loved i don't think I think that there would be harsh criticisms about it. And so I just think that's such a, it's a small detail, but it's one that I just really love. And I loved reading, seeing it this time on reread. Right. I I mean, like, that's like, you try and make something for everybody. You'll end up pleasing nobody. Uh, So you'd have to just take a stand and say, you hope for the best. Um, Like, like the, the closest thing that we have a reveal to the Joker without the red hood helmet on that he poses as a cabbie that brings Bruce back to his uh, apartment building in Crime Alley. And you can see the shadow leads to a point he knows that he already mm-hmm. has that. Like, that's part of his facial features. Like, that's the only thing you really can tell about it. But just the verbose nature of this character and, like, the quips that he's made here and there. Like, oh, you know as Joker. And even if you're like, like not like a diehard Batman fan, like, we are coming into this, like falling into the vat of chemicals. If you've seen Batman A9, you say, oh, that's the Joker that the entire time we've been dealing with here. And it just sets up the relationship between the two of them that has been uh, a little tense, even from the very beginning. Before they <laughs> knew each other. It, yeah, that, that seed is planted. It's, res- it's respected by Snyder here. He doesn't... What I want to say, he doesn't change the dynamic. From I think he just really captures what a lot of us as fans like of that relationship, and he just expands it a little bit. Uh, but I, I like how it's not just uh, pre-Joker versus Batman here. It's the threat of the Red Hood gang. It's what them as a as a unit, what they symbolize, what they're trying to do to Gotham City, which is something that Snyder is constantly referenced in his Batman run. It was the relationship with Gotham City and the effects of Gotham city on Bruce. And he definitely attributes that, which he said many times attributes that to his relationship with New York city growing up. And like, that was in the eighties and in, uh, in visiting the city and how different it felt and it looked. And then as he grew up and then how it was changing and evolving and, and all of that. And I think that's when you, when I've heard him say that and then go back and read some of his work, I can definitely see up. Oh, yeah, that's definitely an influence. And I think here there's something that really works and is kind of scary about like how that Red Hood gang works. It's almost it's almost like the Joker's ideology on a much larger level. And that's scary as hell, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and like two things, like one, you go back 30 years in New York City, Times Square is not Disneyland. Mm-hmm. It's the place where Jason goes to stalk a few people <laughs> and everything like that. For two scenes. But anyway. <laughs> uh, and, and Kane Hodder kills the dude who's going to replace him for J- and 
in Freddy versus Jason. Right. Yeah. That stunt double he throws into the mirror. That's the guy who replaces him in, in Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> it's very ironic. Um, but no, like, yeah, you go back that like Ed Koch era in New York City, and you look at especially like photography. If you ever look back on that and like how it was a dangerous place to be. Yeah. It was before it, it before it got cleaned up. Like even like when we see glimpses of Gotham City here in Secret City, like oh, like the bridge we see somebody working on, like obviously that's the Brooklyn Bridge mm-hmm. without a doubt. And then we see like the infrastructure of the Gotham transportation like system throughout, like whether it be the elevated train, buses, and what have you. Yeah, like Snyder's like like a lot of the DNA in his run is built on the history of Gotham City. Go back to all the way to like whether it be Black Mirror and then eventually in the gates of Gotham, which is obviously all about the history of Gotham City, which is personally my favorite. Like other than maybe like Zero Year, that's a, it's like right next to it. Like my favorite thing he wrote for Batman. And I feel like upon this reading, when I see the Red Hood gang, it almost seems like he's trying to do the Court of Owls again, but very, a little differently. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where it, it seems like these people are elites, or at least a few of them are, who are participating in this Red Hood gang. Or it's, it's a secret society that nobody knows who they really are, much like how the Court of Owls were. That's interesting. Uh, I've never really made that kind of connection before, but... Um... You're an intelligent individual, Mr. Rooney. <laughs> it's only when, upon reading it this time, I see when Bruce's Uncle Philip is part of the Red Hood gang. And I'm like, okay, if this gang is able to infiltrate the upper echelon of Gotham City, I have to imagine there's probably four more people like that in that stratosphere part of this gang. For sure. And I that's that's great how that's kind of fresh enough to we get the idea by a reveal of just of just one we don't have to just see a like in the court of owls we do get you know it's almost like paid like panel after panel of reveals of this group of one percenters are part of the court of owls this group of one percenters are that would almost be a rehash instead we get oh uh, uh philip kane bruce's wealthy uncle who's in charge of Wayne Enterprises, he's part of the Red Hood gang. Got it. Okay. So this, there, there's no, um, there's nobody out of reach, out of the grasp of the Red Hood gang. And I, and I love that. And it's a formidable threat because just like the Joker, uh, he's merciless too. As we see with the, the concrete sand that he pours in, in their mouths and they're all connected. And then he just kicks an anchor over the, the side of the boat and they all just go i don't care that that's a comic book like <laughs> that's disturbing as hell to me uh, I, I, it's perfectly illustrated by capullo's art i mean to the point where like we see that long shot of in like half of water half above and we see them sinking to the bottom of the gotham bay yeah and joker's just sitting on the edge of the boat like oh that's that's uh and the fact that it takes place in broad daylight like that's just an uncomfortable image to look at Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it, it just shows like that even prior to going into the bad chemicals, the Joker, whoever his previous identity was, had a few screws loose. <laughs> just a few? Just, just a few. A just few. A few. <laughs> so I I think this this is uh Secret City is a great example of it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. 
because I think most of us could have gathered and guessed that, okay, I know how this is going to end. The Red Hood leader is going to end up in the chemicals. Right. I don't know how we're going to get there. And so there's good twists and turns. There's a lot of growth on the way. We see his relationships with important people. I, I really dug Secret City. I am usually familiar when I'm about ready to reread that how that works out. I'm very, what do you want to say? Cloudy when it comes to dark city. Is it because the change of the art near the climax of the story? No, I always, I do always forget. I like Raphael Albuquerque or Albuquerque. Uh, I like his art a lot. And I know he's in the short stories written by James Tynan, Mm -hmm. uh, the backup, the additional short stories at the end of those first couple issues. Uh, And then at the end of issue 24, which is, extra large has Albuquerque where it's like, Oh, the Riddler is kind of revealed and he's got his grip on Gotham. But I think it's always just because as grounded as a red hood gang is, and as grounded as the Riddler part is the doctor death part is a little out there for me. Is it because he's not teased prior to his like really showing up? Maybe. I, that that might be part of it. I think his design also is just kind of ugly. So the aesthetic of it is just kind of, it's not, it's just kind of not cool to me, <laughs> which yeah. sounds really <laughs> stupid, but I look at, and I mean, it's, I think it's issue 27. That's one of the coolest covers of this entire run where it's like Batman's mouth is opening and all the bones that are coming out and deformed. Um, I think that's a really striking cover. I think that that looks cool, but Dr. Death himself And there's just, this is where it showed to me that I think Snyder tends to get wordy and he really needs to include every single detail where for me, I get a little, uh, okay, I get it. I get the point. I get the point. And And that's good. And so that feels like that's a me thing. Definitely not a Snyder thing. Who the hell am I to question how Scott Snyder writes? <laughs> no, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. But like you you have your preferences of what you want with storytelling. And and I can agree. Snyder can get a little verbose. Yeah. He can get a little wordy. And it, it feels like he could rely on Capullo's art to tell the story more. I mean, hell, when think of it when uh when Batman is caught in the maze of the Court of Owls when he's captured. Mm-hmm. And then when the art turns 180 degrees upside down, like it's nearly wordless at that time. And it's one of those most iconic moments of that run. And so, yeah, I, and you're not wrong. I feel because a lot of it's like we're pontificating and we're monologuing to each other throughout, it, especially the Joker early on. Yeah. And, and, and another con you could have it is I think like the impetuous nature of Bruce towards Alfred and his crusade here. And it's like, you don't know who I am, old man. I'm doing this. This is my, you know, like, it, it's always like, I don't want your life kind of moment that, that Bruce Wayne has with Alfred at one point. I'm just, okay. He's like 24 years old. I mean, I could be shitty and I'm nearly 30. So you know what? I, I can get why Bruce could be a little mean towards Alfred, even though I don't like it. Now, were you just uh, uh, quoting the 1999 MTV movies hit Varsity Blues? Starring the beak. <laughs> I yes, don't I was. Your life. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you 
you got it there because I've never really analyzed what it is about this middle part that to me is is okay, but I like the the ends more. And that maybe it is with Dr. Carl Helfern, aka Dr. Death. We have somebody else telling us everything about him. Whereas we just came from the Red Hood leader, we get a vibe of this guy's character because we we're hearing him firsthand. We are witnessing his actions to where we're figuring it out. It's not necessarily being spoon fed to us. Whereas this is, we meet Lucius Fox for the first time. And then he, he's the one that is like, Bruce, Dr. Carl Helfern. He did da 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 He was experimenting with da 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 Yeah. And it's like, okay, we get it. And I know that sometimes that just feels like that's a shortcut. And I totally get it because Snyder's got a lot of story here that he's trying to get through. Uh, I, I just think that maybe the idea in itself of Dr. Death's um, experiments of almost like shielding, shielding his brain. I think it is, it is trying to create almost like a new bone to protect your brain in case like you get shot in the head, like something like that, an extra layer of protection. I'm like, that idea in itself is kind of, uh, interesting, mm-hmm. but I also don't want to know how that could be possible, really. <laughs> and that goes back to my all this explanation, scientific explanation about how it could be possible. Right, and I know I think yeah. I said, it's something that I think Uncle Philip uh, Kane was saying, like, oh, what they're the the cutting edge of technology that they're doing, including I don't know if it was if it was neurotechnology. But there's something that they were like messing with the human body some way. Mm-hmm. And you think and like, I wouldn't have thought of it anyway. Like, uh, I, just, I thought it's been just a little flavor of what they're doing. But the fact that there's actually little like panels that show exactly what they're doing. I was like, okay, you made a choice to show that specifically. That's obviously going to pay off in some form or fashion down the line. And I guess this is what like Dr. wants to do, just to modify human anatomy that way. Yeah. And so that, I don't know. Because when I analyze it too, and that's the part, and that's always, that can always be interesting and frustrating of if you do analyze something and you realize, no, everything does connect for some reason. It just doesn't work for me. Well, who the hell am I to question Scott Snyder's writing of this story? Oh, I'm not questioning his, his writing for the story. Oh, okay. So then you love it. No, I don't love this part, but I think he's a really good writer. I think everything adds up. Ah! Um. <laughs> It's my least favorite of the of of zero year is the inclusion of Dr. Death, but it's not uh, shoehorned in either because it does add up to something and that he was basically he was a pawn for Riddler and Riddler was using him to get something what to he's weaponizing the weather like that's interesting as hell geostorm <laughs> yeah as as perfectly <laughs> explained in the the hit that warner brothers movie geostorm um yeah it feels like you're being hit but you watch geostorm <laughs> uh so i mean i'm moving on to that last that last third of the story feel free mm-hmm. to ch- chime in um go back a little if you want with the savage city part of riddler now taking control of the city and I got to say when what was, what's especially painful here for the monthly readers was that we had to delay 
after issue 27 uh issue 28 was a complete like teaser for batman eternal it had nothing to relate to zero year it was written by scott snyder and i think maybe tynan had a part of it too or something but it, it, it was like hey spun is like you're gonna get a cool look at something that's coming which means you're gonna have to wait two months until we continue this zero year story and then like, no damn it <laughs> um, and i think that was because the issue 29 snyder come out and said that issue 29 they added more in that so to give capullo more time to make sure he could get that done they threw in this other issue uh, but I was really excited when we knew that we were going to get a Riddler story because I don't think we get enough Riddler stories. I want more Riddler all the time. I love the Riddler. Um, he he's he'd have to duke it out with uh, a Doctor Jonathan Crane for my second favorite Batman villain. Um, I, I love Riddler stories, so I was really excited to know this was going to be a Riddler story. And then, I mean, it just felt like well, he's going to be the the main the main baddie in this one, right? And I with Snyder having proven himself that he's awesome, um, that he's an awesome writer. I was really excited to see what he would come up with for Riddler. And it, it feels like, like we're going back to like the, 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 the side quest of Batman eternal. Like I, I get the reasoning for it, but it also, I know there's a criticism of the MCU. Sometimes it feels like, Oh, this movie is just here to set up another movie. Yeah. to get you back to bring in more. And I do think that's a, that is a valid criticism on some of those movies. And I, I can see why that being an issue here uh, for that, that comic specifically. Um, and for Riddler, like Riddler is a tough character to write. Yeah. Because uh, it's hard to come up with riddles. And I think that's the reason <laughs> why he's not, he doesn't show up that much in the Batman, the animated series is like, what's three in the original one of Batman, the animated series. I think it was like three episodes of the, of the Riddler. I think you're right. Like if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? What is reality? And Riddler's reform. He, Riddler's reform when he becomes a toy salesman. Um, and so, yeah, like it, it, it's, it's tough to do that. And I mean, hell think of it this way. And Matt Reeves puts out the first uh, trailer for the Batman with a riddle in it, and Reddit cracked it in what record time? <laughs> <laughs> and you gotta imagine Matt Reeves is like, God dang it! I spent all this time with anagrams and symbols and it's broken like that. Maybe that's called the Zodiac, and they and they and they cracked <laughs> <Yeah>. this. <laughs> and maybe that's why I like the Riddler so much because I feel like I'm gonna get smarter if I read about the Riddler or watch the Riddler, cause he's going to at least say a riddle and I'm going to be able to, if it's a comic, I'll read it. And I'll be like, wait, don't look, see if I can figure it out. And then usually it's like no freaking clue. And then I read it. Like, ah, makes so much sense. Um, and I, I like that, that kind of challenge that Snyder was going to bring here. And it's also true to form from for Enigma. It's the, so the core of the character is there. It's the everything else that is kind of changed. And in this case, it's weird that it, that this Gotham story goes six years back, but it's almost so current and up to date, perhaps at the time of its publishing. So when this part of the story was released, it was 2014 that 
maybe it was predicting the future of the reliance on technology and how Nigma is in control of drones, of uh, robots, of robots uh, with mm-hmm. cameras uh, at- attached to their heads. And <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know. That's also not my favorite. No, hold on. Let me go back to what I said not too long ago. I really, really like this story. Okay. I don't want there to be any mixed messaging here. I really like it. That's also not necessarily a favorite of mine is technology being uh, the the villain and so many weapons. I like humanized uh, sort of thing. And I know Riddler can't stand toe to toe and fight Batman. Right. His brains is weapons. So this is a, a but the animated series episodes that you just talked about are Batman's in traps and he has to like use his brain to get out of the traps and Mm. conquer enigma that way and i love those kind of stories and here i like the essence of the challenge of gothamites come and challenge me and then and snyder doesn't waste time with that because we just see one we just see it happen once where a guy comes up to challenge him he he says half of a sentence and riddler says the answer and then drops him in the pit and so that's another great way that Snyder keeps the story going of, okay, you get the point. We don't need to do this over and over to get our point. You get the point, what we're doing here. And then there's, there's a lot of Lucius Gordon, Batman cracking technology codes, uh, talk jibber jabber Mm. that I also think slows the story down a little bit in that, in that final four issues. Right. I, I mean, like it, it's you can like a story and still have problems with it. OK. You don't, oh, thank you don't, God. Oh, yeah, no. You don't have to like, love it unequivocally. Like I like all the Star Wars movies. Uh-huh. I have problems with a few of them, like a parts, a few of them. But I still enjoy all of them. Sure. Like even the ones they think is they're bad. But and it's something like here, like, yeah, like, what was it like? Well, you think of like later what we were talking about earlier, like later Halloween sequels, like, yeah, you can have problems with it, but there's still nuggets of things mm-hmm. we really enjoy in them. And you can say the same thing here if you have problems with the story when it comes to certain aspects of it. And yeah, it, it is curious, like how this story turns out with Enigma uh, with so much technology under his control. And then Batman Arkham Knight comes out and how many traps and drones and everything like that is under his control in that, in that game. But also how satisfying it is when you solve all the riddle tr- Riddler's traps, trophies, and then <laughs> Batman gives him the beatdown of a lifetime. And in 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 that cutscene, like everybody like just cheered when that happens. Quick and- interjection there. That is the only game that I didn't complete the Riddler riddles. No. I could I couldn't do it. And I finally no. just threw in the towel and looked it up on YouTube of like final confrontation. And I just watched it. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> carry on. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, like it's just like I, I I can only do a loop de loop with the Batmobile so many times. I can't yeah. do this anymore. And <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it turns into the Mr. Incredible moment in the end of the Incredibles. Like, I'm not strong enough. I can't do this. <laughs> um, and yeah, it, it, it's if anything else, if every tropical storm, hurricane, or pandemic has proven us, our reliance on technology is incredibly fragile and how quickly things can fall apart with the absence of it. 
And what terrifies me the most now these days is Boston Dynamics videos of their robots being more and more capable and everything. And like <laughs> the robot dogs that I see. Like, yes, I was going to say, that's what I thought of actually with this was like, oh, my God, the robot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, and I'm like, uh, like, like the Terminator is like uh, the, the Terminator 2 and the first Terminator, like two of my favorite movies. And I'm mm-hmm. like, is nobody seeing what happened in these <laughs> movies right here? As I stay through gritted teeth, as I, as I know my iPhone is staring at me right now. Uh, Clearly not the right people saw Jurassic Park. No, you know? <laughs> from <laughs> movies like seen by so many or so many, the, those few people that didn't see it are the ones that need to see it. Anyways, the, the people who identify with the lawyer in Jurassic Park yeah. are the ones who are <laughs> ones with the technology right now. And like, yeah. if you think about that, just think about how expensive is the Star Wars cruise or what, the Star Wars hotel, whatever the hell it is. That's like six grand for like a weekend. And I'm like, like. We can charge two thousand a day, five thousand a day, and people will pay it. And then there's the merchandise <laughs> and everything. Um, and so anyway, like with Riddler having its the strangleholding of technology here, and the the gobbledygook of phony baloney science fiction uh, tech, uh, yes. tech that we have to explain to the audience to figure out what the hell is going on. It, it does bog it down. And sure, we don't have like, oh, we got to find this spaceport and to shoot it to blow up the Death Star or anything. No, we mm-hmm. don't have that. But I'm glad that Lee Snyder is willing to explain what the plan is and then see how it goes awry in the in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like so the overall plan here. It suits Edward Nigma well. It's it's I think I can just say in the end it's it's definitely not my favorite Riddler slash Edward Nigma story, but it's still it's still cool. I almost would have liked a smaller scale directly Batman and Riddler Battle of the Brains, but I mean here involves him and Lucius Fox and Gordon, which is fine because those are two allies that you know us fans really like. But I think I would have just liked almost the triumphant Batman on his own. But I like the characterizations of Gordon and Fox here and Bruce's relationships with them. I love the the backstory of Gordon and Bruce that's told over this and how we have an impression of one part and then we hear Gordon's version of it and what that represents. And then kind of the the capper at the very end of receiving a, a new trench coat as a gift and I think that's a nice bow on the end of that little story that is something new, but also still capitalizing on what we've seen of that relationship between the two over the years of Gordon being there the night of the Wayne murders and Gordon being the only good cop in a corrupt system and, and stuff like that. I, I, I like how Snyder, manages to fit that in these issues as well yeah i mean it's obvious that he saw dark knight rises like you know i know what the importance of a coat is (laughs) to a child who needs it most now Uh, was that so in begins was uh you you tell me and i know people are going to yank this show for me now but i can't remember prior to begins Gordon was there the night of the Wayne murders. I won't say it didn't happen. 
And maybe it begins to so ingrained in my mind that that's just where I instantly go. But it's like that started this where now we link back a lot. I can't remember if pre-crisis illustrated that Gordon was there okay. on the night. I mean, post-crisis, like the history that's kind of acknowledged is that Gordon came from Chicago in year one. Yeah. And like, he's not a Gotham native. Um, so he was obviously not there when the Waynes were murdered. So, but there's so much pre-crisis history. There's 50 plus years of that. So I, I can <laughs> I haven't read them all. <laughs> no. Um, kind of not like Michael Bailey, who's got an encyclopedic knowledge <laughs> of DC comics. And so, um, but I, I do like the idea of the fact that Gordon was there. And that's why Wayne has that kind of connection and trust in him from mm-hmm. the get go. Um, and I kind of like the idea of like the, the different points of view of how, like you mentioned, like their relationships to each other, because it, it's one of the fascinating things that I don't think it's brought about enough because I feel like it's so ingrained in Batman, like, Oh, Batman and Gordon get along and that's it. Like it, it mm-hmm. becomes like a beginning of a James Bond movie where Gordon is M giving the mission to Bond slash Batman to set him off on the adventure. Yeah. But like the times that where it stops to question like, Oh, how does this work? And what kind of strange is that happens? I mean, you think of, but bring up again, no man's land and how the history of Batman and Gordon gets a little out of whack because the events of no man's land, especially the climax of it or how even in Gotham central, like the, the friendship that Batman and Gordon has resulted in Gordon losing his job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. And also like recently somebody else and tried to put their stamp on this as well. Uh, right before like a year before zero year even came out was Jeff Johns for the earth one Batman that we got to see another Gordon and Batman slash Bruce Wayne. were not uh buddy old pals yet. And I got to say that I like it more when they're friends. Uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of their friendship. Uh, another relationship that I like that goes through the ringer here is between Alfred and Bruce. Uh, there's a lot of really good dialogue that Snyder writes for the two of them that just it simply fits. And I, I think that's a relationship for that really needs to work for you to care about for you to care about the characters in a Batman story is that dynamic between Alfred and Batman. And I'm really looking forward to see in the Batman, how uh, Andy Serkis and Robert Pattinson will be, how that dynamic will be in because I feel like just seeing those two actors in those roles, I can't put it together yet. Uh, It seems like it's going to be pretty different and I'm, I'm looking forward to how that'll play out, but I feel like that's such a good dynamic so the pressure is always on for me in a story with new creators new talent behind it of like how are you going to make this one work where it needs to be something new but still familiar yeah like like prior to Andy Serkis's casting I wanted Peter Capaldi to play Alfred um but we still got Peter Capaldi in DC movie as the thinker so I was happy about (laughs) that And, and so a part of me is to imagine because the fact that Andy Serkis was directing or he was in the pro- like shooting uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage during mm-hmm. a lot of the production of the Batman. So I imagine like Rob Pattinson is going to look over to Andy Serkis who's going to be looking at an iPad and is like telling 
uh, Woody Harrelson to make two, three steps to the left and then give a pithy comment about the costume <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. But you're right. I, I'm curious to see what that's going to bring to the table. And I'm sure whatever it is, his performance will be precious. Ha! Yeah, there it is. <laughs> uh, now, but I want to ask a question. Yes. Or wait, no, maybe I'll maybe I'll get into maybe I'll get into this after. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna save it. Uh, okay. Before we before we move into some favorites, do you have anything else that you'd like to to bring up about Zero Year? I mean, like I said, like I, I love the the art of it of the of the like I said. Oh yeah, I think didn't even talk about Capullo yet. Yeah, yeah. Go. I I think it's like other than maybe Endgame, I'm just like I feel like this might be. Capullo's best art on this on um, with uh Snyder. I mean, I, I mean, just seeing the overgrown Gotham City, I mean, it looks like what you'd want I am legend to be, and mm-hmm. and how detailed it is. And and shows like even like you think of Dr. Death, like you look at him, like, yeah, his the design might not be to your preference, but you can tell, oh yeah. This guy started his career at Image Comics right here. He started on Spawn. You can see that with the design of Doctor Death here, and it's some some cool. I think definitely when when the storm is rolling in, like you know, he does like a almost like a hot pink sky at times that just kind of works, and it's it's very it's radically different from a lot of what we were used to. And I mean, definitely coloring in atmosphere is very different than just a few issues issues prior and death in the family. And so uh, Coppolo, and though I don't necessarily love the design of Dr. Death, like I said, that cover of Batman 27 of, you know, Batman, but he's uh, a Batman, Dr. Death uh, combination and all of that coming out and stuff. I think that's drawn really, really well. I think that looks great. And yeah, I mean, Coppolo, this is a lot of new challenges for him and something different than we'd seen up to this point in this run. So, I mean, Capolo, he's pretty good. Pretty good. (laughs) He's pretty good. That dude. Yeah. He's Uh, a good guy. (laughs) I I feel like we'd be remiss not to mention anchors, Danny and uh, Miki or Mikey, and as well as colorist, uh, Dave McCaig and FCO Placencia. Um, And because, and a lot of the colors, it's not primary colors. It's secondary colors. It's very mm-hmm. much like Watchmen. Mm-hmm. A lot of hot pinks, a lot of yellows. Um, and also, just as going back to another design, purple gloves on Batman. <laughs> purple gloves, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paying if, attention to detail. Uh, like, if we have a Twitter profile of uh, Batman's yellow oval, I think we could have a purple glove Twitter <laughs> profile just for that. <laughs> Hashtag purple gloves. Yeah, it'd be a a lot fewer tweets, but I I just like that little attention to deal. I think Batman with gloves, I really like. It's a it's the total aesthetic thing. It's a total like my personal preference thing, but I really like the decision to make him have purple gloves, very much like how he is in the very the golden age of Batman. I mean, that's an indicator too. Of you, all you have to do is just see that image. He's got purple gloves, and like, oh, this is beginning Batman. This is Batman Begins, you know? <laughs> and actually, they released a, a Funko Pop a couple years ago, and I'm like, I've got to buy it. And so it sits at my desk at work, which I have not been to in a year and a half. It's sad. Ugh, I miss my it's Funko collecting Batman. dust waiting for you. It is. Sad. <laughs> uh, I'd like to now hop into a, a couple of favorites. Mr. Rooney, do you have in Batman Zero Year a favorite part? A favorite part? 
it's really it's tough it's it's not even like just like great big scenes it's moments that stick out to me like one is the formation of the bad cave where alfred is going down like the helicopter ladder into the cave itself Mm -hmm. and the only technology in there is a steel furnace that they installed and one laptop yeah and and it looks like batman sitting on a stump as he types away and everything uh like that always sticks out to me or the Batmobile hopping over the police barricade out of the tunnel and everything like that. Oh, it's like images that stick out with me, but also that moment when the first time Bruce Wayne and Edward Nygma meet, and it's a circular pattern of the Sphinx they mm-hmm. talk about and like how like the, the, the symbol of, of riddles itself and the, the conversation that goes in a, the in Ouroboro, the Ouroboro. Thank you. Yes. That concept, that whole concept to me is always fascinating, I think. Yeah, and, and it's something that's it's always just like, wow, that's really cool looking right there. And it's a really unique way, much like how the turning 180 degrees and quarter of hours happens, everything like Yeah. It, and it's not showy for the sake of being showing off. It, it, mm-hmm. it seems like a story reason. It seems plausible. Mm-hmm. It never seems like to like you as a reader, like push the book away, like, Whoa, that's a little much for my taste. Mm-hmm. Uh, nailed it. I almost was gonna break my break my one rule and just say that the secret city is my favorite part. But I'm that would be that covers way too much ground. That I do think the whole first act. Of the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't do that. So to narrow it even more, I do think it is when Bruce Wayne meets Edward Nigma there in the Sphinx. And the Ouroboro and, and all of that. I really like that dialogue exchange. And Bruce at that point, how like where he's at in his life and this mission of Batman up against Edward Nigma before he becomes what he is to become. And it's like their their exchange, it's it's so perfect of like at that point of these alter egos, what they're blossoming out to be. It's a meeting of the minds before we get to the end and they meet again very different people. So I think that's a really cool, uh, cool part of the story that I know I always, since reading it that first time, I've always looked forward to going back to that uh, because I, I know the, I know they meet up in the Sphinx. I know we see the Ouroboro, but it's always, it's a little fuzzy of like, wait, what is the dialogue here? And and, uh, figuring that out and how, Riddler's basically planning it for him about Philip is not going to have any arms or something, you know, all that. I just think it's done really, really well. I like that part a lot. Uh, There's 12 issues here. Tons of great art. Can you pick out one panel that's your favorite? One panel is my favorite. It might be in the very beginning with Batman on the steam punk motorcycle saving the kid who, who just got the fish out of the subway mm-hmm. I, I mean just like i know it's early on to, and it just say like that's my favorite but it's just the image that stuck with me or even the cover that's on actually they have on the second trade paperback it's batman sitting in the gargoyle with the backpack and the bow and arrow like it's like whenever i think of that story those two pieces those panels are what comes to mind um it, it's like I said, it's the top of his, his game here. Um, and I just like, it almost seems like 
you wish this this could have this partnership could have gone on forever, but that was, but also it's like, how can I miss you if you never go away? Kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah. Like, and so maybe it was best that they, they did their run and then maybe whenever they get back together, they'll, they'll create something kick ass again. But yeah, like the Batman on a motorcycle like that, that's always cool. Um, so like, was it like, I was trying to see where the hell was that? I, I almost, I bookmarked it before. Uh, oh, like even when um, there's like a, there's even a joke on the, Fear and Loathing Las Vegas, where Batman vandalizes a mayoral candidate's uh, billboard, where it says like one of the, where it says Gotham City, one of the greatest cities in the country, where it's just like he puts a bunch of the red uh, hood hoods tied there, tied on there to make it look like a bat single, and so it looks like this is Bat Country. Yeah, and it's like we can't stop here. This is Bat Country. <laughs> uh, this is tough for me too. Um. Because there's a lot of images, and I'm going to stick to my mandate of I've got to pick one. Uh, I I think it's the effect of that page there for the last part in Savage City when Bruce, he opens up the curtains and he sees Zero Year, and it's a little Duke Thomas um, from that opening opening pages in the, in the very beginning of the story that uh, it's in his apartment and Bruce is looking out at what Gotham has become and there's a big question mark. I think that's a cool image. I just love later on that it's Riddler full suit and Batman full suit staring at each other. Uh, there's obvious nods to Dark Knight Returns uh, on two separate occasions here that I think are really cool. But I think I like it's in the let's see which okay Batman twenty four. When Batman comes out and he's taken down a bunch of the red hoods and it says it's the bats. And then you've got off to the side is the, the leader. And you can see a little bit of reflection to make out, you know, the, uh, the side. Why can't I think of um, side view? What do you call it? The profile profile. There you go. Yeah. The profile of the Joker and that. And uh, I I really like that image. So I'm just going to, I'm going to stick to that one. Nice. Yes, I'm gonna stick to that one. Uh, go ahead. Is it like I'll never get tired of Crooks screaming the bat? Yeah. Uh, as Batman leaps towards them to put a hurting on them. The bat, ah, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you would you like to see Zero Year adapted in animation? Yes. Um. I feel like it might be a little long for 70 minutes. I know they've been going a little bit longer lately. Yeah, I've been rocking them around 80 something minutes lately. But if they want to cut it down 70 minutes, if they want to, you can cut the Dr. Death stuff out of it. And keep My the man. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. That, that could almost, yeah, I don't know how they could do it because it almost seems like just one movie is maybe too short but maybe two movies is too long to hit all the notes that you'd want to hit, but Mm -hmm. you could almost do two thirds of the story in the first movie. And then the second movie would be that last third and just stretch it out a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I'd be down to see how they could do it, but I think many people are familiar with the Batman origin that they don't necessarily need that. 
So I know the question isn't, do you think it's going to happen? But I don't see it necessarily happening anytime soon. But I know that there are, uh, what do you want to say, murmurs on the interwebs that this is possibly elements of the story may have uh, influenced Matt Reeves in some way for an upcoming movie. So I guess we'll wait and see how that could possibly pan out. Maybe. Yeah, I could see that. But like the fact that the movie is so vague up to this point, like you can make arguments that Millennium has influences on on Batman, the Batman. And you're like, hey, they guess somehow curb that in there. All right. I don't know how they're <laughs> going to do it, but OK. Um, yeah. I mean, like, obviously, Matt Reeves has spoken about specifically like Batman Ego, mm-hmm. um, Dark Victory. And and a little bit of the Batman the animated series and like I'm curious to see what he's obviously going to do with that movie and the the series that he Bruce Tim and JJ Abrams are doing together like I am really fascinated to see what's going to come out of that and like I hope going back to the 75th anniversary of Batman where they put out two animated shorts one by like Dar- designed by Darren Cook it's the Batman Beyond versus the uh, Cyber Batman. Mm-hmm. Um and and it's all it's Terry McGinnis and Bruce Wayne versus the the like the robotic of Batman and then the other one is Bruce Tim it's like done in 1939 and it's Batman versus Doctor Strange and I don't think it's it's kind of like Solomon Grundy but not really sure it could just be one of the Monster Men and I I kind of want that as an entire series. And I kind of want to yeah. see like what that comes in. I know it's a complete different tangent from your question right there. But, <laughs> hey, it's uh, Batman. And I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think like if this is Batman Zero, you're getting an anime movie. I feel like they would have done it when they were using the new 52 designs. Yeah, that makes sense. Movies. Yeah. Um, my question that I pushed back till here, how do you think zero year measures up to other popular origin stories for batman so specifically in comics of you know year one like that i think this instantly was put up against year one as an origin story and earth one how do you how do you think it measures up towards those well if i had an origin i would prefer it to be multiple choice ah <laughs> uh yeah i feel like it's like different strokes for different folks and there's different flavors you can have to origin i mean the fact that this character has been around for 80 years i mean uh, 80 plus years at this point that you can have so many different iterations of it you don't have to be nailed down to one thing like it's obviously there's certain fundamentals and elemental things that are part of batman that always be there but i think we should allow creators to have their own iterations of it and I understand origins are really cool because you get to start up at everything. And if you don't like it, you can kind of drop it. You don't have to continue it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like it stands up on its own, but it obviously pays lip service to, to year one where like to the point that even one point Bruce Wayne is shot and he stumbles into his father's study and we get to see a 360 uh, projection of the caves underneath in his father study that obviously showing the case system and bats in there it's like so you can have your cake and eat it too bat coming through the window moments that we, that's obviously been part of batman history all the way back to bob kane and bill finger yeah i think i think frank miller just hit 
the the right notes for the character to where year one just reigns supreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, it influ- It just feels like it definitely influenced this story. I think Snyder had said, um, I don't know which website it was. He tweeted it out. That, let's say that. he tweeted out something of, of year one and zero year can coexist. Uh, but I think, like I said, I mean, different strokes. Um, I think you have a short origin tale in year one. You've got a medium sized in Earth one, and then you have a, a long version in zero year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it just depends on which one. I guess which one that I don't like. I don't know how I would measure it up. It's I think year one is strictly comics. Uh, I think year one is probably still in first by quite a ways. Mm-hmm. But I think of those three books, I think they're all quality origin stories for for Batman. But this one would probably I don't know. I think this one would be behind year one and then earth one behind that, but I like them all. Yeah. yeah. It depends like what, like you want grande or vente size uh, origin story for <laughs> exactly. Batman. And sometimes it's like, well, how much money do I have today? So <laughs> yes, like I love the earth one books and everything, but those are, those are hard covers and they're a little expensive. <laughs> yeah. A little pricey. A little uh, bit. Mr. Rooney, what are your final thoughts on Batman zero year? I really enjoy the story because like we've said before, it is a different take on the Batman origin story through familiar lenses, but obviously with a very different perspective. And I think the storytelling is really, really solid. Is it 100%? Is it flawless? Is it like, like it'll stand up for the test of time like that? Maybe, maybe not. It depends on your personal purposes of what you like from a Batman story. For me personally, I think it's an intelligent retelling of the origin story. And the fact that it includes Riddler, a character that is tough to write and is not often used in Batman comics lately, um, I feel like that's an extra plus. I think it's just a real benefit to the readers. I think this story, along with Year One and Earth One, just proves the fact that we as fans are spoiled for different kind (laughs) of Batman content out there. And just rereading this, I'm just like, kind of want to reread Court of Owls and Death of the Family again. And I'm just like, um, I, I've never read Batman Eternal. That's one arc I, I, I never got into. I don't know why. I just kind of like, I, it just kind of breezed past me. And But I read Endgame, but I didn't read, uh, what's the one with uh, Gordon in the mech suit? Uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name right now. Oh my! The villain starts with an S, I think. Oh, uh, I'm like Adam Smith. I'm like, no, that's a character. Uh, <laughs> Phil Airtime. Phil Airtime. Phil Airtime. Yeah, obviously, was it in an exo suits? He kind of looks like a Robocop a little bit. Oh my gosh! It is killing me. Um. Volume. Everybody's yelling at us right now as we look this up right now. Bloom, not an S. It's a B. Mr. Bloom. Yes. Uh, not a favorite. My least favorite part of the whole run. Now, parts of that, and now we're going on a tangent. Uh, 
I, I like the Bruce Wayne elements of that, of that part, but super as far heavy. as yes, the super heavy story itself, I don't really, eh, not my thing, not my thing, but anyways, no. carry on. I'm glad we found that. Out. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like anybody who ever like who yells at a podcast, like why? And, and when the audience, like the yeah. host can't think of it, wait until the end of the show. And if they don't bring up what, you know, then tweet at them. Yeah. Don't tweet at them. Like, don't pause the podcast and then tweet them because I bet you they probably figure it out. And you're just like, you're <laughs> weeks or months late before they've they've figured out the question that you were uh, solving. Yeah, I've been on both sides of that. Yes. Uh, I was never a dick, like tweeting to somebody, you idiot, or anything like that. I was like, oh, hey, big fan. So I couldn't help but notice. <laughs> um, yeah, I like this story. It's, I liked... I love Death in the Family, love Court of Vows. I won't say that I love Zero Year, but I really like Zero Year. I borderline love Endgame. Uh, yeah, this was, a, this was a very respect respectful retelling of Batman's origins. It wasn't, and it's where I credit Snyder and Capullo the most, is that they were not just doing the same thing. They challenged themselves and challenged readers to accept a, a new retelling. Mm-hmm. Batman's origins that isn't so such a stickler on this is how it is. It can be a little open for you if you want to if you want to make your one make sense to this. I think Snyder said like you can, and I think that's that's kind of a benefit. And so uh, I appreciate that that's the route that they took for this for this story. They took some chances. They made it different. They made it exciting, and they beat the hell out of Bruce Wayne in the process. Yeah, and I think we're all glad as readers that it wasn't 13 issues of pearls falling in slow motion. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I hope we see that version someday. Uh, like, that's why I feel like, like I've had for years how you can tell the Batman and Robin partnership in the opening credits in a montage. And you can establish that real quick and the audience will get it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like if you let me tell the story, goddamn it, I will be able to do this for you. <laughs> Come on, I'll give you my uh, yeah. Just like, like let me tell a Batman Beyond story. I know my bones. I can do this. <laughs> Your bones, courtesy of Doctor Death. <laughs> uh, Tim, thank you for coming back to the Batman Book Club. Thank it's you been for a, having me. It's been a treat, of course. Uh, it's been a treat. I'm glad that you picked Zero Year. It was great to read it over again. Uh, if the the listeners are unfamiliar with you for some reason, how can they follow you? Uh, you can follow me on, on Twitter and Instagram at this is Tim Rooney. Rooney spelled R-O-O-N-E-Y. Uh, my podcast are Please Rewind the RF4RM Retro Show where we talk about movies when it comes to anniversaries. Um, at the time of this recording, I've just finished editing our episode on the first Mission Impossible movie, which will be coming out very soon. Um, and my other podcast, the Anything Goes podcast, where I talk about geek and pop culture and movies as well. The most recent episode of that is part one, a review of Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, the movie. And yeah, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash through the lens productions, where a lot of my short films and videos and video essays are up there. Uh, like right now, like I'm actually working on a video essay on a Batman the Animated Series episode, which I'm really excited to do. 
Yes. And yeah. And it's about an episode that not a lot of people talk about. And it'll, I'll tease it here. It's about the episode, The Man Who Killed Batman. <sighs> Sid, Sid the Squid. Sid the Squid. Okay. I was going to say <laughs> Sid the Squid, right? Sid the Squid. Yep. It's very cool. All right. Everybody follow Tim. Uh, please do. I've checked out your videos on your YouTube channel. Very cool, Tim. Well done. Uh, you, you may you may also be uh, a a supporter of the Batman Book Club in one of your videos on Through the Lens. I saw it in a very a rare Batman Book Club T-shirt because uh, T Public didn't want that or Warner Brothers didn't want that T-shirt up there, <laughs> so they yanked it from the site. Ooh! Oh God! I, I got better. I better. Uh... I just better take care of that a little bit better now. From now on, now it's, just <laughs> yeah. Batman, but it's a rarity right now. Yeah, on eBay, it's probably it could probably go for like a dollar seventy-five. So, <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> uh, you can follow the Batman Book Club on Twitter and Instagram at the Batman BC for upcoming episode, new episode drops, and sometimes, like most recently, a giveaway. You can also follow me on Twitter at Lauer underscore Ryan. Flower spelled like lower. You can follow the Batman Book Club on YouTube on the YouTube cha- or YouTube channel, the Batman Book Club. Yeah, simple enough. How about that? You can write into the show with questions or comments at thebatmanbc at gmail.com. You can support the show through Patreon. Like I said, up at the beginning of the show, patreon.com slash the Batman BC. Or you can support it with some merchandise on T Public. Not that exclusive shirt that Tim and I have, but there's still a uh, cool merchandise to buy there. But if you'd like to support the show, don't want to spend any money at all, that is 100% A-OK. Please just rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. The link to that page is in the description of this episode. The more reviews we get, the more it helps spread the word. And as we all know, the word is panic. So for Tim Rooney, I am Ryan Lauer. And until next time, read more Batman comics. Comics.